Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to Please Bet on Football Games, second episode of The Look. I am your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm loving the impromptu name for the preseason series. It's The Look, because we're looking at shit, and we're going to... I shouldn't have sworn. YouTube's going to be mad. I'll bleep it. We're going to figure it out. Hot start. All right, so where are we going from here? Let's do the NFC North. Hell yeah, let's jump in. First up, we have the Chicago Bears. Should be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I got got a little triggered already today listening to uh, Chad Millman over at the Action Network talk about the Bears because he's like from Naperville or some (laughs) I We haven't made it a minute, and I got to bleep myself twice. Yes. Anyway, I got triggered about the Bears. People are really excited. About the entire team or specific players? Well, I think that people are so excited about Justin Fields that they're then transposing that excitement to the rest of the team. So, first of all, it's Justin Fields' third season as the Bears quarterback, and as is tradition with the Bears, in the third season of a disappointing rookie quarterback, we anoint them MVP of the league. Think back to 2019, Mitch Trubisky entering his third year. Literally the most bet MVP bet preseason. Why? Then you think back to 2006, Rex Grossman, third season. Now, we did make the Super Bowl that year, and it did not have anything to do with Rex Grossman, who turned the ball over five times in said Super Bowl with his tiny baby hands. So, this is just what Bears fans do, and Twitter has allowed the vociferous hope to kind of just permeate the rest of the zeitgeist. I threw all my Jeopardy words in there, huh? That was impressive. I didn't even mean to. I've been lawyering too much and podcasting not enough. Anyway, people are stoked about the Bears, and I, I think it's foolish. But what, what do you, as an outsider who lives here, think of the Bears? I think they're going to turn into, they're trying to turn into like that Tennessee type build, maybe some of the Baltimore type build, where they just get big old boys and run around with Justin Fields and try and build a good defense. But I think they're really early in that stage, and I I don't think I'm as low on Fields as you are, but... He's not good right now, and he's nothing more than an incredibly athletic quarterback that can do anything, just doesn't very often. Well, it turns out, unfortunately, the NFL is not Madden, so your players have to be able to, like, think about stuff in order to do said stuff, and and Justin Fields really struggles with that thinking part. Um, But regardless, my overview of the Bears is that I think their offense is going to be middling because as dumb as Justin Fields is, as bad a passer as he is, he is so athletic that he gives you some options. Uh, And then on defense, despite the fact that Matt Eberflus is supposed to be a defensive coach, I think they're going to suck just because they have no defensive line. I know they got Yannick Ngakwe. He's been nothing for five years, and even when he was something, it was kind of fake. It was fraudulent sack numbers. And he's their best defensive lineman by a mile. So I think they're kind of screwed. I, I agree with you that the defense is going to be terrible. Between their cornerbacks and the D-line, who I will say Andrew Billings as a gap filler looks like he is what he has been most of his career and his one lone year in Cleveland where he was coming off the COVID year was an aberration. 
But he's still just a gap filler that isn't going to get you any sacks or anything. They don't have anyone that's going to generate sacks or really pressures. Yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely right about Billings. I think he is a good nose guard, but how useful is a nose guard in this day and age? Exactly. And then when you don't have guys that are going to be able to pressure off the line, you hope you have better coverage, but their cornerbacks are not good. Well, I like Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I love Jalen Johnson. The problem is that Jalen Johnson's shoulder hates its socket. His his shoulder has separated like four times already in his two or three year NFL career, two year. And as somebody who has separated a shoulder, I know once that thing comes out, it doesn't stay back in. So it's going to happen a few more times and he's going to miss time. And that means Kyler Gordon is going to be your number one corner. And that's a bad thing. So quick overview. Let's start with the defense. Defensive line, uh, we're not quite five minutes in. So I'm going to say bleep in the negative way. Uh, linebackers, mid. I know they spent a ton of money on dudes, but Tremaine Edmonds, right? Tremaine? Yeah. Not Terrell? Yeah. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds, despite the fact that he's only 24, that's a guess, but I'm pretty sure he's still only 24. 25, but yeah. Still. He's not good. He, he got good PFF grades in coverage last year and then terrible everywhere else. Here's the problem. We have four years of evidence that he is terrible in coverage. And PFF grades, especially, well, PFF coverage grades, are remarkably volatile, per their own admission. That's like PFF will say, our coverage grades vary a lot year to year. The rest of defensive grades are pretty stable. So the one thing that's crazy variable is the only thing he had going for. Um, Defensive backs, we're still not quite five minutes in, so I'm going to say bleep. We went over the the cornerbacks. I hate to say this because I loved him coming out, and I really loved him when Vic Fangio was around. Eddie Jackson ain't that guy. When you have one absolutely otherworldly elite year and then, like, three straight years being pretty disappointing thereafter, you're the disappointing guy. You're just not that good. You can't cling to being elite one time a few years ago forever. So, overall, the defense is not special, and Matt Eberflus, his philosophy is to hustle hard, not to do creative or disguised stuff on the back end. So, I don't see an avenue towards the Bears' defense being average or above. I think that's fair. I And I think that's what will really sink them, because when you're losing, you're not able to run the ball, yeah. and they're going to get forced to throw. And that's not good for Justin Fields in that offense. I think they're happiest being able to run. I mean, I was just looking at the size of their offensive line. The smallest guy is 310 pounds, yeah, and that's their right. left tackle. They got two guys that are— that, That's their left tackle, Braxton Jones? Yes. Here's the fun thing about Braxton Jones. He had a 96 PFF— run blocking grade in college and like a 70 pass blocking so like the dude run blocks that's what he does yeah so so that's your that's your athlete yes and then i mean the entire line is made of run blockers that are over 310 yeah like tevin jenkins was a tackle when he came out a run blocking right tackle and now he's the left guard and last year he had a pretty solid year but it was entirely because his run grade was great and his pass grade was not very good. Cody Whitehair, another big boy that can run block. Another former tackle. Mm-hmm. And then you have Nate Davis, who is another big guy, 316. I think he might also be another former. T- I think they built the whole line out of former tackles. He probably was. And then you have the recent first-round pick, Darnell Wright, who is 335 pounds. And still a tackle. Yes. 
So you have, I think, just five giant guys that they want to run block. I think they're going to just try and run the ball. They'll get beat up in pass game. But when you have a bad defense, that's just it's a broken way of approaching it. I will say the Bears offensive line for the last two years, but especially last year, has gotten a bit of a bad rap because Justin Fields takes a lot of sacks that are his fault. His pocket awareness is almost as bad as his downfield pro- uh, processing and selection skills. They were an average offensive line, but I also don't think they got much better. I don't think Nate Davis is very good. I think he's a journeyman, bridge caliber, just below a decent starter kind of guy. Like Darnell Wright's a rookie right tackle. We've seen even Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas might be the best offensive tackle in the league right now. People were talking about he's a bust for the entire first year and a half of his career. It just takes time for tackle. It is tough to come right in. Like a few guys are Tristan Wirfs. Yeah, and he's just a freak athlete that couldn't be beat. Yes. And it helps when you have Tom Brady behind you, Abs- who's absolutely. the best pocket manipulator of all time compared to Justin Fields, who is going I, to create so many sacks. I have breaking news. We're at least five minutes in. I'm going to start curse. Um, unfortunately, the Bears offense outside of Justin Fields does not need me to curse. Like the, the wide receivers and tight ends, pretty decent. Yeah, they're solid. Tanyan is a good receiving second tight end. And then you've got uh, the Notre Dame guy, Cole Kmet. Just the epitome of average at tight end. He's a a solid blocker. He is an okay receiver. He is a big body. He is the prototype C-plus, B-minus, fine enough to start tight end. A lot like C.J. Uzama for the Bengals a few years ago. Or Austin Hooper. Forever. Absolutely. It's classic. And, uh, And DJ Moore, you're a DJ Moore guy. I'm less of a DJ Moore guy than I used to be, but... I was about to say, you loved DJ Moore coming out of Maryland, and I thought, you're wrong. And then I watched him, and I thought, damn it, Alex was right. See how he's mad about my success? <laughs> you were totally right. I And then I fell in love with him as well, but last year, watching him pretty carefully in Carolina, I don't know if he just wanted the hell out of there, but he was so disappointing. It, yeah, it definitely seemed like he didn't really care that much like there were definitely plays and you could see it where he'd make incredible plays but there were also times where it seemed like he either didn't know what was going on or didn't care to he also had a cocky streak so the the Panthers ran a lot of option routes last year and I don't think the Bears will run as many option routes just because they're going to run such a pared down simplistic offense but Carolina ran a bunch of option routes and every time DJ Moore had the option to just go deep and run a streak regardless of the leverage of the cornerback, he would always just take it deep. So, like, if the cornerback step for step with you, you're supposed to slow it down and turn it into a curl or open up the back shoulder, and Moore would just gun it and be like, no, I'm going to beat you eventually. And I think that actually works pretty well with Fields because Fields is dumb, so he's not going to be thinking option routes. He's going to be thinking, I have my best receiver on a one-on-one, put it up there. But then DJ Moore's ball skills were not impressive last year. So I'm with you. I've heard some... I heard one guy today on a podcast I won't advertise for say that DJ Moore is a top five wide receiver. My first question was, oh no, what happened to all the wide receivers? Because I think he could be top 15, certainly not top 10. No, I think even 15 feels high to me. Yeah, he is a low-end wide receiver one. Yes. But you also got Darnell Mooney, who's a high-end two, really good wide receiver. You know, you just put him off the line. And then you've got Chase Claypool, who is finally going to be used as a big slot like God intended. So he doesn't have to run good routes or be physical through the catch point. 
and assuming he doesn't go crazy at any point, he's a good, he's a really good jump ball guy, which I think is good for Fields because sometimes he's just going to need a bail guy. Yeah, and he's a big body with a big catch radius in the middle of the field, so it's hard to miss him. There's just not a lot of ways to miss him. So Fields is going to have at least three good, good wide receiver. This is a good wide receiving core. None of them are special. They don't have any game breakers, but they got a lot of options. So somebody will be open inevitably on every play. And you got two tight ends who are really good in the past, well, who are solid in the pass game. Solid enough. And then you've got the glorified sixth offensive tackle in Mercedes Lewis coming on down. I forgot you signed him. Yeah, it just happened a week ago. So Good for him, man. Theoretically, if Justin Fields was the guy that people thought he would be, I could totally see the Bears being a division favorite. But when you have a bad quarterback and a middling coach with a decent offensive coordinator and you don't have a game breaker who's just going to take the game over like a Justin Jefferson or an A.J. Brown, that that's it. You're SOL. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to be hamstrung by a misunderstanding of the quarterback position. Yep. But uh, I go back to I still think they're just not in the spot they need to be. Even if Justin Fields was the answer, that defense is bad and it's tough to be a what I assume will be more of a run first team yeah. with a bad defense because then you get forced to throw and you get forced to be uncomfortable right away. That's a really good point. When you have a defense that can't keep you in games, you ha- you don't have the luxury of being ground and pound. And I didn't think of that. So look at that value add from our host. Now, see, now he feels bad. I do. He's trying to butter me up. No, but actually I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, that being said... We should totally do this at the beginning of these segments, but uh, I put together my power rankings last week, and I I, I wouldn't... Uh, there's not many hills I would choose to die on based on these power rankings, but I will say I feel strongly about some of them, such as I have the Bears number 29. Uh, for reference, PFF has the Bears as team number 19, and just like using all of the game of the year lines, the Vegas odds makers imply that the Bears are team 22. So everybody kind of agrees the Bears stink, and I think they stink more. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. This, because... is, a, this is a fade team. This is a fade team. Oh, absolutely. I wish we had a sound effect for fade. I can't think of one, but if we did, I would put it right here, because I'm going to bet against the Bears almost every week, and my family is going to hate me. <laughs> when you're coming in celebrating them blowing uh, games and well like when when my cousin comes back to town for bears games he's going to be wearing his jay cutler jersey and he's going to be upset that i'm not and when i cheer because i just made four grand on the bears losing to whomever he's he's gonna be mad at me and i'm gonna feel like a bad cousin but alas i will weep into my dollar bills shall we move on to the next team let's move on all right next up let's talk about the detroit lions roar <laughs> on that note how do you feel about the team all right we're gonna do the rankings from the jump my power rankings i have them at team 16 pff has them at team 15 and vegas has implied them to be team eight 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 that's, that's high well there's a reason the nfl put them out opening night against the fucking chiefs i forgot that i can swear we back baby hell yeah I mean that's that's way too high. I I think you and ESPN are much more on. This is did I say ESPN? I meant PFF. PFF. I don't know what you said. I may have just they're all propaganda. interchanged <laughs> Square Media companies. Um, but this is a it's still similar to what it was last year because they upgraded, but not in the most impactful spots. Well, where did they upgrade? I think they got better at linebacker. Who'd they add? 
Campbell, baby. Oh shit, forgot about that. Jackie boy. I, yep. He was the Dan's uh, son. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not actually, that's false. The 18th overall pick and their second pick of the first round after running back. <sighs> Jameer Gibbs. Now, okay, we're not. He'll catch passes, but we're not gonna. We're not gonna beat the shit out of Brad Holmes for his draft moves. We're not. We could, but I think we already did that on a podcast. We almost definitely did. We're gonna talk about what this means for the Lions this year. So let's start with defense. As you mentioned, their linebackers are now going to be Jack Campbell, Alex Anzalone sometimes, and Malcolm Rodriguez. Who, aside from being a hard knock star, I actually really liked. Out of was it? Oregon State or Oklahoma State? It was Oklahoma State. He's a cowboy. Gotta be. Um, I thought it was like Nebraska or something for some reason. Nah, I think it's Oklahoma State. Because he's, he's like real short and got stubby arms, but he's fast as all hell and he hits like a mother. Nailed it, Oklahoma State. Oh! So, those are good linebackers. That's fine. But as much as I like Malcolm Rodriguez, he has a little bit of a problem in coverage just because his arms are stubby. He got showed arms. They're thick and they're short. And that's not helpful for slotting passes. Um, Jack Campbell is much better at it, but it's going to take him some time to adjust to the NFL because he's a rookie. Um, Their defensive line is patchwork. Like Aiden Hutchinson, yes, certified freak. He is very good. You can call him a freak because he's white. Uh, And then on the other side, they got James Houston. I'm pretty sure that's his first name. And he only played, like, six games last year. He had very few snaps, probably, like, 200 pass rushes. But he also had, like, six or seven sacks. So his his snap-to-sack rate is remarkable. But I, it doesn't feel sustainable because he's a small, undersized dude from Jackson State. He's not the best pat. He's not Von Miller. He's either Von Miller or some freaky, fluky shit happened. And I'm going to guess the second one. Was I right? Is it James Houston? James Houston is is one of the guys, and he has some really high grades, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in, in, in tiny sample size, he was incredible. But there's no possible way. Because what is he, like 6'1", 220, 230? They have him at 6'1", 245. Yeah. That listed size is tiny. That's Jannard Avery. Yes. I mean, that's that, that's smaller than Barkevius Mingo. Ah, that's not true. No, Barkevius was lank. He had some lank to him. But regardless, so you've got one legitimately good defensive end in Aiden Hutchinson, and then one maybe. And then on the defensive interior, you've got Aleem McNeil, maybe good. Signs of it be good. Levi, some... Anzarike. Anzarike. Thank you for saving me from myself. I liked his tape at Washington. The guy can't stay healthy, and we've never seen him play in the NFL. Who knows? So there's a way. If they flip three coins heads, they could have a a very good defensive line. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think it'll be a decent defensive line. And then their cornerbacks, they spent a bunch of money to get two dudes who were okay second corners while sheltered in extremely zone-heavy schemes. And now they're going to have them play extremely man-heavy. Aaron Glenn plays a lot of cover one, right? It's the Saints defense. It's one safety over the top and everybody manning up tight. And you've got two dudes who are unathletic and mediocre as second options in zone defenses trying to be shut down. It's not going to work. So overall, I think their defense is going to allow some points to be scored. Thoughts? I mean, I largely agree. I think that the D-line is not inspiring. They have Aiden Hutchinson, who's incredible. But then it's just a bunch of dudes that you hope maybe can turn a corner or 
come into the player that people hoped they would be when they got drafted. Well, even Aiden Hutchinson. We really like Aiden Hutchinson. He would have been my second overall pick in the draft last year behind Sam Howell, which is a loaded statement. But he's not an A-plus defensive end yet. He's not an A. He's like a B-plus, A-minus. He's a good defensive end. Right, he's not at the level that he can wreck a game by himself. Well, he probably can once or twice a year, just... But to consistently be the guy, I don't think he can do that. He needs other people to help him and contribute and And take some of those double teams off of him. He could get there, but just not right now. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And when you have Josh Paschal, Julian Aquara, James Houston, Romeo Aquara, like, It's, it's just a bunch of dudes. John Kaminsky, like, it's a bunch of just... Guys, it's it's a bunch of guys that I kind of liked, and you would have wanted your team to draft in the third round. But like decent shot, they never make in you know turn into anything. And so far, they haven't. Yeah, the D line, I think it'll be better this year, just because a lot of those guys are younger dudes. But God, they were bad last year, and I don't think they got that much better. Linebackers, I agree with you. I think that they'll be solid. They have some guys that play certain roles, but they're not going to be anything. And, they're linebackers. The corners is where I am so curious because I don't really like the super zone-heavy guys that aren't really that athletic but just play their area well because that scares me when you play really good teams. Which is exactly what they got in Sutton and Mosley. Right, and now not only are you bringing not very athletic guys that played a lot of zone over and hoping that those skills weren't just a product or that production wasn't just a product of the scheme they were playing in, you're also putting them in a scheme that actively takes them out of those zones. Exactly. It's just a really bad fit. And we'll get to this with the next team we do, the Vikings. But really good defensive coordinators can be terrible fits for not that good of personnel. And that's what we have here. Like Aaron Glenn's going to say, man up against that dude, shut him down, be a better athlete than him, be smarter than him. And these cornerbacks are going to say, I don't have the facilities, bro. (laughs) So we spent a lot of time on a defense that shouldn't be very impressive. Let's talk about the offense. Because last year, people were thrilled with the Lions offense. And for good reason. Because Ben Johnson is probably the best offensive coordinator in the NFL right now. If you take out all the head coach offensive coordinator hybrids like Mike McDaniel. Like, if I could hire a head coach tomorrow, it would be Ben Johnson. I love what he does. He's extremely multiple. He's probably the most creative coach, offensive coach in the NFL. Because, like, Mike McDaniel is close. And Andy Reid is close. But they come from pretty well-established systems. Ben Johnson just takes bits and pieces from damn near every. I don't know what to call his offense. It's not West Coast. It's not Shanahan wide zone. It's not Air Coriel. It's its own thing because he just makes shit up. Ton of motion, using his receivers very creatively to get them open, even if they're not that good. Like, he basically did with Amon Ross St. Brown what Sean McVay did a few years ago with Cooper Cup. Just saying, like, I've got one dude... I'm going to use him for everything. And it worked. Here's my fear. I can't conceive of Ben Johnson coordinating better this year than he did last year. I can conceive of him coordinating less effectively just because people have a year of tape to catch up to him. And if Ben Johnson takes a half step back just because people are you know, more prepared for his shit, this Lions offense craters. Because Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. I've been hearing a lot about him as a top 10 quarterback lately. Insane. Get fucked. He's a bad starter. He's a below the DAC line starter who has noted issues with the mental side of the game. And if the coordinator can't serve it up on a silver platter, he can't dish it out. The offensive line, maybe the best in the world. 
if not, it's definitely second best. It's really, really good. And it's young, and it's healthy, Taylor Decker notwithstanding. <laughs> I was about to say, Taylor Decker, you never know, but it's good. And then the wide receivers, if Jamison Williams ever plays a football game. What's he, out six? He's out six because he bet on not football from a hotel room, which is exactly the amount of time that Deshaun Watson got for grapes. He got 11, didn't he? Uh, well, originally he got six, didn't he? Yeah, the original one was. And, they, but. and then uh, Alvin Kamara got three for attempting to murder a man with the heels of his shoes in Vegas. It all makes a lot of sense. The precedent is firm and withstanding. So, uh, yeah, if Jamison Williams ever plays a football game again, and if Marvin Jones has any juice whatsoever left, I doubt it. They've gotten better at wide receiver. So they got rid of DJ Chark, who didn't actually really even play for them. But they got Denzel Mims. And I know he just got banged up, but I think he's going to be okay. I have a lot of hope left for Denzel Mims. He didn't get used in New York, but the guy's like 6'3", 6'4", with legitimate 4'4 speed and really, really good ball skills. At the very least, he can be a back shoulder fade. Like, he could be in Kale Harry, in Keel Harry with speed to burn. Like, there is no way he is not useful. If you can't use him, that is a you problem, Zach Wilson. So I think the offense will be good. I don't think it'll be what it was last year, just because I can't conceive of anybody being that creative for two years in a row. And that leaves the Lions with a bad defense and a decent offense and a bad quarterback for when shit hits the fan and that is a middling borderline wildcard team in my book yeah I feel like they're just gonna be really similar I don't have much else to add on the offense I just think it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate the the young guys like Gibbs and Laporta because apparently Laporta is tight end number one and has been and has been awesome now you know it's camp and preseason so who knows but it sounds like they're going to involve the two rookies a lot, especially with JMO out. And so I think there is an avenue for them to still have success with that good of a line and just let Goff throw a bunch of really go West Coast. And I think Ben Johnson is versatile enough that he can really craft an offense to the players and not his scheme. Here, here's my thing. Sam Laporta looked pretty good at Iowa. And he's a good athlete, and we're hearing rave reviews out of camp, right? That's all true. TJ Hawkinson looked pretty good at Iowa yeah. and was the fifth overall pick. Now, that was a bad pick that I didn't like, but he was the fifth overall pick. And he did nothing. He did nothing in Detroit. They got rid of him. The offense actually got a little better. And he played a lot better in Minnesota. So Sam Laporta, in order to fucking matter whatsoever, would have to not only be about as good as TJ Hawkinson, but they would have to want to use him more than TJ Hawkinson. By the way, fun Brad Holmes tidbit, they traded TJ Hawkinson for a second round pick that they then used on Sam Laporta. So best case scenario, a perfect lateral move while wasting eight games of your season having a lesser tight end during a playoff hunt. You paid a playoff hunt for some cap space that you don't need yes always good this is why sometimes i get frustrated i have lots of friends who are mathematically and analytically inclined and they're like well it's a good trade look at all the cap space they got look at all the draft capital they got that's good and it's like well what they fucking do because if you got a second round pick and it turned into sam howell okay yeah no smart if you got a second round pick because you're up against the cap and you can't keep this dude okay yeah good you turned a rookie contract tight end into a rookie contract tight end and lost eight games. That's dumb. Yeah. When when you have as much cap space and flexibility as they did, it seems short-sighted. Or not even short-sighted. It's just, just bad. It, it's just dumb. <laughs> it's just, just dumb. There's no explanation. 
Speaking of bad and dumb decisions, Quesi Dovamenso has made some. You want to talk about the Vikings? Well, I feel like we talked about the Lions too long. Yeah, we have. The Minnesota Vikings and their fearless leader, Cock. Typically, when you're led by Cock, you make bad decisions. But the Vikings actually make pretty good decisions during game. Yeah, when the Cock's in charge, the Vikings are led straight. Now, Mensa makes some head-scratching decisions. We're going to leave it right there. I have the Vikings ranked 14th. PFF has the Vikings ranked 14th. And Vegas, you want to take a guess? 14th? 15th. Ah, damn. You dumb slut. <laughs> it would have been way more fun if they were all 14th. Um, I, I'm actually a little bit discouraged by that because I wanted to be high on the Vikings, but it turns out I'm, I'm basically in line with the market. Let's, let's talk like the 3,000-foot level to begin with. All I heard last year and even this summer is how the Vikings were so lucky to make the playoffs and so lucky to win their division because they had a negative point differential and because they won all these close games. Dude, watch the games. One of those close games was a one-score win over the Indianapolis Colts. In the first half, the Colts were spotted 24 points by special teams and remarkably stupid calls. The Vikings controlled the second half and frankly, if you watch the game, controlled the game other than punting. They had a blocked punt and a kick return touchdown. You take those away, game's never close. Additionally, if you just go and look at, just go actually go look at the box scores of the one-score games the Vikings were in, they controlled the majority of those games. They weren't real one-score games. I know that one-score games eventually, you know, you're going to go 50-50 on them in the long run, but they're not all made the same either. So I, I think that the, the rumors of the Vikings' luck were greatly exaggerated. It turns out when you have a solid quarterback, and Kirk Cousins is above average, he's slightly, he is slightly above the DAC line. He has transcended the DAC line because Justin Jefferson has taught him how to say, fuck it, Justin Jefferson. If DAC would do that, they'd be the same guy. Yes, I agree. Justin Jefferson, as I mentioned, is Justin Jefferson. You could make a very good argument he's the best receiver in the league, and he is legitimately a top five wide receiver, unlike DJ Moore. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's easily in the top five. I think he's easily in the top three, and yeah, I, I agree. I think the only person you could really put above him is Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think he's the only one, and they're just a little different, but I, I don't know, man. Jefferson had probably the most impressive individual plays last year. Fourth, the fourth and 17 catch. Unbelievable. Like, it's on, dumb. Yeah, things that I legitimately did not think I... I would turn my Xbox off. Yeah, for real. I wouldn't be like, this game is absolute horseshit. How the that would, Yeah, that's not possible. And he did that, like, at multiple points throughout the year where there were plays where you were just like, how did he do that? And, and he needed to because Adam Thielen was a husk. Yes. Adam Thielen was an embarrassment to white boys after so many years of being really just a credit to white boys. Yeah, he, he took that uh, Jordy Nelson mantle and did a great job. Was he Bemidji State or Mankato State? I think it was Mankato State or something. Yeah, you gotta, Green, that gotta, sounds know, like your a cheese. D, gotta know your D3 hockey Minnesota colleges. Um, so yeah, instead of Adam Thielen being old, it's... Who was it? It was Mankato. You're all over it. God damn it. Um, instead of Adam Thielen's old ass, it's going to be Jordan Addison, who is a very, very savvy route runner and a very cerebral wide receiver out of USC. He's not the fastest dude, but he is like a mini Stephon Diggs, and he gets it. So he'll he'll adjust quickly to the NFL. Additionally, TJ Hawkinson has a full summer to learn the offense. I feel like he's going to be their second target regardless. Hawkinson's going to catch some goddamn balls now. And then losing Dalvin Cook, I don't think it hurts because Alex Madison is a really good running back. 
which is so strange to think about because I, I remember even a few years ago where it was just like oh, Dalvin Cook and then like Madison. Well, he's, I, I he's feel a decent like, option. I feel like Alexander Madison has been the heir apparent backup running back in Minnesota for a decade now. It That's feels like it's been at least five years. But he's only like 24. Yeah, he got drafted in 2019. He yeah. Just turned 25. COVID lasted many years. It did. It really fucked with everything. It was at least a decade. <laughs> um, so, and then their offensive line, very quietly, when healthy, big when, it's fucking, it's good. It's like legitimately good. Yeah, and they should be getting better because a lot of those guys are young. Well, they're almost all young. I think Brian O'Neill is their oldest dude, and he's probably, what, 29? Let's see. Darisaw's 24, which is insane. Yeah, and he barely played last year because of injuries. Cleveland's 25. Yep. O'Neal's 28. Oh, so close. Ed Ingram is 24. And then you have Garrett Bradbury's 28. So you have two guys that are 28. Well, and they've just turned 28. As we damn well know, 28 is washed and dried old. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, their offense is kind of flawless. And then the cock is sharp. That is... It's a really good cock. That's a great offense. It's a legitimately great offense. But we saw that last year. We know that. The issue is the defense. Did they do anything to fix it? Yeah, they did something. They fired Ed Donatel, who clearly wasn't working with his soft, vanilla, cover for Vic Fangio-style coverages. And they brought in Brian Flores, who's a genius defensive coordinator. Blitzing heavy, ton of man, ton of cover one, ton of cover zero. Uh, here's the issue. So much like with the Lions, where Aaron Glenn is a pretty good defensive coordinator, at least a lot of people think he's great, but he makes their team worse because he doesn't fit their personnel, Brian Flores is the same way. And now Brian Flores is a Belichick disciple, so theoretically he should be variable, he should be able to adapt, but I've only ever seen him coach defense one way, and I love that way, but you need defensive backs, and that's the thing they have the least of. Their cornerbacks are horrible. They somehow got worse. Like, Patrick Peterson was a ghost last year, and it was not good. But now he's gone, and they're left with... They got... Uh, no, Booth went to the Bills. They have... No, they have Booth. They have Byron Murphy, was their big signing. Which is a small zone corner who can only play in the slot. They do still have Booth. Who sucks, and he probably runs like a four six five. A Caleb Evans is slotted in to start right now. Never fucking heard of him. Me either. He's 24. Listen, I miss some dudes. I just don't scout some dudes. Probably not a day one starting cornerback like that. The And those are their only three corners that have any grades on PFF. So nice. I don't think any of the other ones have played in the last year. I got rid of Cam Dantzler because he cannot obey laws. <laughs> it is tough. I mean, they do have a good safety room. I love their safety room. Well, Harrison Smith, it's about that time. It's come on home to linebacker. It's rapidly approaching. What is he, 35? Yeah, he's old and white. And he's not 35. He can't be. But. And, and Lewis Seen, who I loved coming out of Georgia, is recovering from a spiral fracture of his leg. Those are hard, dude. He, like That could legitimately be career-ending. He might never be the same. Could be. Could be crushing. Which would suck. And it happened in London, too. So you feel like those dirty Brits were up to <laughs> We sent them one of our anime guys, and they were like, man, we don't like it. This is unnatural. So the defense, it was shit, and unless Flores shocks me, it might be worse. Because the only thing worse than what the Lions did, getting two mediocre zone corners to try to play lockdown man, is what the Vikings have done, which is try to play lockdown man with no corners. Horrible corners. And, like, few of them. Like, they don't have a lot of guys. It's... I mean, on their roster right now, they have a ton of guys, but a ton of dudes I've never heard of. 
And you would think that an analytically inclined dude like like Quessy would try to just throw bodies at the problem. But he kind of didn't. Yeah, I mean, like, they have Joan Williams. Yeah, okay, Joan Williams is six foot three and long as hell. But he plays corner like he's five foot eight. And he's, he's a really good mover. He's got really good feet, especially for his size, but he just doesn't play football the right way. He's very, very shy of contact. So I guess that's a good lottery ticket, but Belichick couldn't make him work, and Belichick's good at one thing, and that's coaching up corners. Makai um, Blackman, who was selected this year in the third round. Yeah, he's... I guess there's hope, but he's not starting, so... Uh, Najee Thompson, who is an undrafted free agent. Never heard of him. Yeah, and this is... I mean, you know, I don't know anyone, so some of these guys may have been signed, but it seems like a lot of UDFAs. That was a fourth-round pick, Jay Ward. Don't know him. Yeah, and then a handful of UDFAs. So, I don't know. That room is not deep and has no real talent at the top. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not impressed. It's, it's legitimately one of the worst cornerback rooms I've ever seen going into a season. And they're going to ostensibly play a bunch of man and blitz. That's a fucking recipe for disaster, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I agree. Unless some of these rookies are just secretly Champ Ailey and Darrell Rivas, it's going to be really bad. So the what is basically stopping us from being from gassing this Minnesota Vikings team, because we think that they've been unduly slandered with the luck talk, and we think their offense got better with the addition of Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson having some time in the room. But despite having clearly the best offense in the division, their defense is booty. Yeah. Dare I say it's booty cheeks. Yeah, like they have a couple guys. Daniil Hunter still, I mean, if he's healthy physically, emotionally, whole thing. He's effective, but he doesn't play that much anymore. Marcus Davenport's a solid edge. Davenport's a terrible value, and I don't understand why they signed him, but he is a good player. Yeah, and then... Shit, that might be it. Those might be their own. I mean, Harrison Smith, although he is 34 and a half. Who's the the defensive tackle, the big white guy? Um, Harrison Phillips? Harrison Phillips. He is good as well. But, like, I don't know. They, They just don't have enough stars either to overcome having some glaring weaknesses. Yeah. And that cornerback room is so, so bad. It's really the cornerback. If they could add one cornerback, if they could get one starting cornerback somewhere, which is a big if because it's like the most in-demand position, it would change everything. I would I would bet this team to win the division tomorrow if they added a number one cornerback. They should offer so much for one of the Browns. The Browns are going to get rid of corners as they go. They got... So? They got the Quessy. I don't think Greg Newsom will be in Cleveland in another year or two. Well, good for whenever him. His, whenever his contract is up. That's not inside information. I just <laughs> I just don't think he'll sign another contract there. Unless Jim Schwartz is God, which is possible. Which is possible. Um, but I think you wrapped it up nicely. They They have an incredible offense, but they're just... Any betting on them is completely blocked by the state of their cornerback room. On the Packers? I think so. And for the final team in the NFC North, we have the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so I have the Packers as my 17th rated team. PFF has the Packers as their 18th rated team, and Vegas has them at 21. You'll notice, so we've got, in my power rankings, Minnesota's 14, Detroit's 16, Green Bay's 17, Bears are 29. It's a really tight division filled with mediocrity. And so we mentioned with the Lions and the Vikings, they have good offenses, mostly because they're very well-schemed, and then bad defenses. The Packers, well, they should be flat. 
split. Because the Packers have awesome defensive personnel. Like, let's just run through it. Defensive line, Rashawn Gary, dope. Kenny Clark, dope. Lucas Van Ness, useful in some scenarios. They got uh, Wyatt, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Devontae Wyatt? Yes, dope. Yeah. That's a sick defensive line. Who's going to be their opposite starting edge? Preston Smith still? That's what they have in there right now. Yeah, so Preston Smith with Rashawn Gary is dope. That's a sick defensive line. At linebacker, they got... uh, I can't pronounce his name, but he was an All-Pro two years ago. They got Devondre Campbell, and then they got... Quay Walker? No. I don't think you're talking about Quay. Quay Walker out of Georgia should theoretically be good, but uh, he was not last year. It was bad. Um, I think I want to say they had a Lua Kong, but I'm probably wrong. doesn't matter. So their linebackers are okay. Problem is they're kind of slow. They're not very good in coverage. Quay Walker isn't slow, but he's much more of a blitzer than he is a coverage guy, and he wasn't even very good as a blitzer last year. So the linebackers are a little weak. The safeties have fallen off a cliff. Darnell Savage has had a couple weak years in a row, and like the shine is starting to wear off that second-round pick. And they lost Adrian Amos, who had been very sturdy in the back end for them. Their corners, I adore, but there's a problem. So they have Jair Alexander, elite. They have Eric Stokes, elite prospect, with tons of promise, but he was hurt last year. And then they have Rasul Douglas, who is legitimately very useful. The issue is Alexander and Stokes need to play man. They need to play man to be as useful as they can. Douglas kind of needs to play zone. Douglas is like 6'3", not very fast, not very quick, but very smart, great ball skills. So what they probably should do is some form of like a match cover four, put Douglas on the outside playing zone, and then just let Jair Alexander play a mix of zone and man because he's matching, and then stick Stokes in the slot because he's the quickest. But Joe Barry has a he has a substantial and pronounced vagina, so they just run that cloud vague coverage, that vague match coverage that doesn't really work for anything. And and so I think that their defensive coordinating will upset their otherwise insane defensive roster. I think I think it'll still kind of work out for them just because they have so much talent and you can't fuck up pass rushing right yeah and when you have guys that have had success for multiple years too and guys like Jair Alexander and now Razul Douglas I know he has exploded a little bit more from being a, a role player into a key part of that defense but they have a lot of talent all throughout, like at every level. Yeah. You know, the the linebackers aren't great, but Devontae Campbell's pretty good. Devontae Campbell is very good at what he does. Yeah. And you don't need him to cover a ton of ground because they do play the soft zones. Yeah, so I think that they have guys throughout on the defense that even if you play that conservative, soft defense, they're still going to make plays. But then you get to the other side of the ball. Which, a lot of change. lot. Well, here's my thing. So, we can agree that if the Packers' offensive line is healthy, top, definitely top 10, maybe top 5? Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know if they're top 5 anymore, but Elgin Jenkins 10. and Bakhtiari are both coming back. They got Zach Tom playing center now, which he's... Brandon Thorne fucking adores the guy. I will assume he's at least solid. He's playing center? Uh, he has been lately. Oh, he can wow. literally play all five positions. Though. Yeah, they have him on PFF as the right tackle, but... Yeah, no, no that's what he played mostly last year, but now that everybody's healthy, they're sliding people inside. So you got Runyon playing right guard. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Yeah, he's okay. 
they just they're always going to have a very good offensive line. Now it's been banged up. Bakhtiari can't stay on the field. But I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to assume injuries are random, and I don't know. Except for in San Diego's case, where God doesn't like them, and they will always be hurt. Correct. Running backs, dope. Awesome. They got Dylan, fellow BC Eagle. I don't know what BC Eagles like mantra is, but do that being a Boston College Eagle thing. Eagle, eagle up. I don't know. <laughs> You gotta give me a golden screech. Be Catholic, generally. Uh, so sick running backs, great offensive line. What do you think they're gonna do? Um, especially when you factor in just shit from the wide receiving and tight end cores. Who's their tight end? Uh, right now they have the rookie Luke Musgrave. That's fine. Oregon State. Yes, sir. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he won't be good to start. It's gonna take him time, but he's fine enough. And then Christian Watson, man, what? He's a classic case of don't overthink it. When you find a freaky athlete, 6'4", fast as all hell, who really, really loves football, he'll figure out how to be good. And that's kind of what he's done. And then Romeo Daubs, the offseason hype for him was remarkable last year. Also incorrect. But he is a fine second or third option. I put him in that Gabe Davis category of like, every year they'll tell us he's going to be the wide receiver too, but he probably shouldn't be. Until he just eventually gets passed for the wide receiver two position by somebody else. Exactly. And I don't know who the hell they're going to put in their slot. I don't know who their third receiver is. Right now they have Samari Torre don't listed. I, I don't know. He's the only other person they is have listed. Samari or Samurai? If it's Samurai, that'd be way cooler. We just, should. Why, why would you go by Samari if you could go by... Easy. <laughs> uh, I'm Matt and shamed myself. We'll believe it. See, yeah, their wide receivers just suck, and they've got Jordan Love. My my grade on Jordan Love coming out of Utah State was, I think, a 1.8 or a 1.9. That's really bad. I had the same grade on him as Drew Locke, and that was actually my comparison for him. Made a ton of terrible decisions, doesn't think quick enough, but also doesn't think properly enough. So, like, you could be a bad processor because you're slow, or you could be a bad processor because you're wrong. He's both. Uh, his accuracy is not the worst, but it's not good. I just, I really don't like his game. I never did. I laughed at the Packers when they drafted him. And in the few games that he has played in the NFL, Matt LaFleur has had to hold his hand and walk him down the field. And he's done it, but how often can you manufacture yards like that? So I think they're going to turn into a, an offense very similar to what we've seen out of Cleveland in the last few years, where it's just creative wide zone runs creative wide zone runs, dinks and dunks, manufacturing space for the wide receivers, and occasionally a deep shot to Christian Watson that Jordan Love will miss. I think that's pretty accurate. The, I think that's an interesting comparison to Cleveland because, yeah, I see it. I think there are a lot of similarities there. That you have an athletic quarterback that you're okay with running around, but you want to just make quick, easy decisions in an offense where a lot of stuff's move in different directions. Yeah. LaFleur's ready for that. This team is even kind of built for that because they've been doing that already a little bit with Rodgers. I was going to say, thank you for reminding me. I know Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs like three years ago. Like three years ago, he started a two-year run of MVPing. Really insane. Didn't deserve either of them. Nope. At all. Like not even a little. He wasn't the second best quarterback in either of those years. But he is Aaron Rodgers, and they won 13 games, largely due to Matt LaFleur. So in the last few years, Aaron Rodgers has become a dink-and-dunk check-down artist, you know, relying on manufactured yards. So much yak. 
ton of yak, a ton of just quick passing to move the chains, and then an effective running game to keep them on schedule. So it's not, you know, the perception is going to be that the Packers are dropping from Aaron Rodgers, elite all-time quarterback, MVP, quarter, best player in the NFL quarterback, down to Jordan Love, first-round rook, you know, first round pick but getting his first starts effectively a rookie in the reality it is a game manager quarterback who is safe and consistent down to a pretty bad prospect the delta is probably slightly smaller than people think it is right like because i think i think love and rogers are both worse than the public probably do i think that's accurate so you slide it you just slide them both down but there is a little bit of value in knowing that love is better rogers is worse than people think Love is not better than anything. Love sucks. Love hurts. But sometimes it's a good hurt. It makes you feel all right. That's Thank in- you, Incubus. That's Incubus. What a song. Is there anything else you want to say about the Packers? Yeah. Um, we don't do these. We don't do these. But if you were inclined to do these, the Packers are the best bet to win the division because you're probably going to get really high odds. And like I said, I have them at 17. I have the Vikings at 14 and the Lions at 16. They're really tightly bunched together. And in the off chance that I'm wrong about Jordan Love, the Packers are clearly the best team. In the off chance that Joe Barry wakes up and realizes like, oh, shit, my team can like cover anybody. I should let them. They're going to be way better. It's easily the best defense in the division. It's the only competent defense in the division. It's the best coach in the division. It's the best off- It's the second best offensive line in the division. It's probably the best defensive line in the division. I think so. It's either them or Minnesota, and Minnesota can't cover anything on the back end. So you got a lot of things going for you. Do I think Green Bay is the best team? Not quite, but they're certainly the best value to win the division as far as futures go. And I think they're built in a way that is most stable and is having a lot of success in the NFL right now. Yeah. Which is if you execute disciplined offenses that have a lot of stuff going different ways, you're going to beat bad teams. Mm-hmm. And then when you play good teams, if you have a good defense, you can turn those into close games that you're going to have to kind of grind out and you're going to win on variance. You're Maybe you lose some too, win on but variance and good coaching. Yes. Best coach in the division. So I think they'll still be a good team, and, you know, it'll probably... uh, I don't know. I think maybe people will actually go, maybe Matt LaFleur is awesome. Nah, dude, Mike Lombardi says that LaFuck, as he calls him, is actually an idiot, and Aaron Rodgers dragged him to 13-3 two consecutive years. So, but if they go 13-3, or even 11-6 this year... If they win 10 games... They win ten games. People got to start acknowledging that Matt Lafleur is clearly a top ten coach. I mean, and if, probably a lot better than that. I was about to say. I think they got to say he's top five. Well, that gets tough because you got Shanahan, you got Reed, you got McDaniel, Sober King, and now there's only room for two more. And you got guys like Sean McVay who used to be in that group. You have the the Tomlins and Harbaugh's that aren't the play callers, but God, do they know how to make a team work? Today I, I made the comparison that Mike Tomlin is the evolved form of Jeff Fisher, <laughs> and I really like it. <laughs> what, he'll get your team to 10-6 and six every year? Or 9-7. and seven. <laughs> Well, actually, he'll never do that again, ever, because no, we have yeah, the wrong 17. number of games. I called myself on the last one. I said 11-7, and seven, but then went right back to a 16-game schedule. It's okay. Don't get too used to it, because we're going to 18 before we hit 30. Oh, yeah. We're, we're hitting 18 in the next two years. Do you know they used to play six preseason games? Yeah. I I forgot about that. 
and that came up the other day, and I was like, that is insane. That is Way so crazy to you me. Know they, they used to have the Super Bowl champion play against, or the NFL champion play an exhibition game against the college All-Americans every year, and it was like... <laughs> Just bloodbaths? It was a close game. Really? God, these dudes are smoking cigarettes, getting drunk, working <laughs> second jobs. And they just won the championships. They don't give a shit. They were probably drunk during the game. In fact, they some of them certainly were. Uh, dude, we just did the NFC North. Hell yeah. We're, uh, I don't know what to do because we, we finished ahead of schedule. So let's just summarize. All right, so to summarize, NFC North. Bears? Bad. We fade. Detroit? Eh. Underwhelming we fade, but we don't want to fade. We love Ben Johnson, but there's no way he could be as good as last year. There's certainly no way he could be better, and he's their only hope, Luke. Uh, Minnesota? Similar to Detroit. Kind of like the other side of the token. We're like, I would rather gas them than fade them, but I can't do either because they need to find out what a cornerback is. It's it's seriously insane because their team is actually pretty fucking good outside of cornerback where it's just... Like, they forgot the position existed. It pisses me off because people love praising Kwesi Adofa for being the analytics guy. You know, he retired from a hedge fund managing position so that he could go be a scout. Here's the thing about Kwesi. They can't decide at all if they're trying to rebuild, if they're trying to win, if they're trying to reload. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're, they're signing high-priced older dudes. They're cutting high-priced older dudes. They're not making any moves or commitments at quarterback. They have no plan, and it pisses me off. And then finally, Green Bay. <laughs> I mean, kind of gas. Relative to the market, I guess we're gassing a little bit, but we don't believe in Jordan Love, and we don't believe in Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think Green Bay, they have the highest ceiling. I think they also have a pretty high floor. They feel like a team that even if Jordan Love is god-awful, they'll be able to manufacture points. And even if Joe Barry continues to play 15 yards off the line, they'll still be able to stop teams because they have too much talent. So is, is your pick to win the division Green Bay? I think right now it is. I think my pick is Minnesota as most likely, but it's Green Bay as best value. I think Minnesota, until they get, if they get a, another body at corner, it really doesn't even need to be that good, but just a body. It could be James Bradbury. And not the James Bradbury that people think he is. Yeah. I, That's I, a shot at James Brad. But I just struggle to say because, God, they're going to give up some bombs late. They're going to be heartbreaking plays because they've completely ignored that position. Which also fits with the Vikings because they love being heartbroken. At this point, I feel like we're reiterating and being redundant and not coming in at the half-hour deadline we set for ourselves. So, without further ado, please bet on football game. Asta.